welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly Doof Network dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And this fortnight we are back to talk about cabin pressure. Um, cabin pressure was a prescription that came to us from a listener, Tim the Enchanter, who recommended not just, this. Not just a listener, a patron. A patron, exactly. Uh, thank you, Elliot. Who recommended this through our website, MediaMDPodcast.com. Uh, so if you want to also recommend us stuff, go there. Now let's talk about cabin pressure. Um, yeah. Who has to do the plot summary? <laughs> like, I don't get it. We should really think these things through before we get here. Um, I think that would go against the vibe of our show. Yeah. But what if we just work off each other? Because that's okay. kind of what ends up happening anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, so basically it's a sitcom. The The premise yes. is that it's a small airline. So there's two pilots. Um, a competent steward and the owner, uh, who is his <laughs> okay. mum. Now, let me stop you here for a second. Uh, no, yeah. So, the Arthur is not a competent steward, I guess, is the point. Um, to be fair, though, to be fair, wouldn't you love being served by Arthur? Like, it I would reckon make it more fun. You, it w- you it get would the be... sense he would really spice up the, like, in-flight demonstration, which is the worst part of flying. Yeah, well, and like, like you know, it would probably be a pain in the ass at the time. But God, you're going to walk away with a story to tell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I mean, that's essentially well, what if you this, walk away, yeah, sh- this show is. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, basically, the you know, all of the characters have flaws that prevent them from not being great at their jobs, but they can't complement each other, and uh, they're always running out of money. And and so basically, the premise is they take whatever jobs they can uh, to try and keep this this one plane airline afloat. Yeah, it's a pretty good sitcom structure because it does yeah. give them an excuse to. It's it's kind of like Stargate, right? They they could just be anywhere from episode to episode, and they could have any other characters to play off of. Um, yeah, it's a great office, well, not office workplace sitcom premise, uh, mm. because it, like you know you do have a small group of people literally trapped together for extended periods yes. of time that you get to work off of as you've said you can go anywhere and pick up anyone as a part of that for an episode or so and like as well as that i think it is actually a good one for like radio and i think we'll talk about this a fair bit throughout this episode but like as a uh, scripted radio show which is something i have never listened to before mm. i think the plain stuff could have been kind of unnecessarily expensive to do on tv uh, right. And it would be very hard to find good varied angles of like the cockpit and stuff. So I think that mm. this was a smart decision for a radio uh, sitcom. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, not to spoil anything, but there's a lot of uh, plane uh, malfunctions, which would be <laughs> a lot of CGI, I guess, if it was a TV show. Um, but yeah, you're right. It really excels in the format that it's in. Um, I-, I guess we should touch on the fact that this is a comedy and... I don't know how much we can say on this, but it is quite funny. So that's a check in that box. I mean, I guess it's, I mean, it it feels very British sort of from the get go. Like if you're someone who's watched some US sitcoms and some UK sitcoms, like this is, you know, sits very neatly in the UK sitcom category. Um, Yes. I I think. It's so British. (laughs) One of the characters, Douglas, is like the driest British sense of humor that I've ever heard put to a character. He is, he's, yeah, you're right. The epitome of that sort of dry, sarcastic wordplay based British humor. Um, and I mean, he, yep. he, so I guess, well, where did you get up to? I, I guess we should establish that for, for what spoilers we're going to be talking about today. Yes. So there are 27 episodes, one for each letter of the alphabet. Yes. And well, two for uh, Z. 
Yes. Uh, and I got about halfway through. I, I almost finished season two. I got up to the end of season two, but not the Christmas special, um, which is, okay. again, very British. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, in fact, yeah. I so I listened to uh, up until season three, episode one. So I listened to two more episodes yes. than you did. Um, and like the Christmas special was part of that same BBC stuff they always do for things like Doctor Who and and all the others where it's like you know they're all for charity so i didn't yep. realize they did that for the radio although as we established in the prescription i didn't really realize they did scripted shows like this for the radio yeah um but yeah so so uh, i think that the thing that listening to the the two seasons of it have effectively really brought home to me was the the humor of this show works so well because of the strength of these characters um and and the fact that the show is written in a way that allows you to pick up more the more episodes you've listened to while still being enjoyable regardless of which episode you listen to is mm. is great like it's not there's no real overarching arcs but there are recurring things that come in that that really make uh the the more uh, heart warming or coldening moments land better uh, but also the comedy lands better because you know the characters better yeah i think the continuity is really well managed in that way you you're sort of rewarded with this sense because like when little details get brought back. So to, to bring up an example, um, we learn at the very end of season one that uh, Doug, the seemingly overconfident uh, co-pilot actually has been lying to his wife and making out that he's the captain. Uh, and this starts to come back in, in season two, where there are bits where Doug sort of pushes, sorry, where Martin pushes that he knows this about Doug. Yes. And, um, like it's funny because i think it's very well established like i could have brought someone into the episodes where this is talked about and they probably would have picked up on what was happening instantly and so like i feel there's no loss to someone who's coming into it but as someone who's experienced the journey of martin finding that out you feel more connected to it and yes and i mean you know that's obviously like i think what drives sitcoms at least for me is how connected i feel to the characters yeah definitely i mean these characters really do a lot to to uh to be consistent, I, I I like the style of humor that they go for, which is mm. very dry and also kind of like it. It's a lot based around expectations. Like I, I a lot of the time listening to uh, Douglas's jokes play out, which are you know he he's a slow speaker and he speaks with gravitas, so it evolves kind of as you're yeah. thinking through it. You can kind of see the joke coming a little bit, but still, <laughs> yeah. like it lands in such a perfect way. There's a great example of this where. Um, it's in episode two, uh, and by episode two, I was already fully in love with this show. There's a yeah. part of episode two where uh, Douglas and Martin, uh, who endlessly will play little games to amuse themselves, mm. um, they've been playing a long-running game of Simon Says, uh, and Martin keeps losing, and they keep starting again. Um, and we get this bit where Carolyn comes in, uh, Carolyn, the owner of the airline, comes in and says, are oh, you guys still playing Simon Says? Douglas, stop that immediately. And Douglas says, I'm afraid I can't do that. For two reasons. And it's a perfect <laughs> joke because one, he's just not going to do it. And two, she didn't say Simon Says. And it, it like evolves in real time as you kind of also think of it. It's so perfect. It's a perfect joke. Um, Yeah, like I think, because I agree. I mean, you do, you know, there are obviously sitcoms um, out there and I'm not naming any big bangs that um, are sort of can often have many jokes that are so predictable that it's not yeah. funny because by the time it lands... You, you see it coming but then there are others where and, and this is one of them where i can sort of see exactly the direction the joke is headed especially when a character starts talking and you know that their sort of thing yes 
and yet I still love it. Like, and I'm 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 not quite sure what the underlying difference can be. Maybe it's just sort of how clever the setup is. Uh, yeah, I think the difference is like imagine if you're hanging out with a friend and they make a joke that you kind of set them up for. You know, mm. it's still a fun experience just because it's like, yeah, that's a good joke, and I'm I'm enjoying it, and I'm enjoying your reaction to the fact that you just made it. Like hearing yeah. Douglas make a joke, and this is another testament to the acting. You can hear how smarmy he is about every <laughs> joke that he makes and that's yes. what really sells it is because it's not just the joke it's the way that these characters bounce off of each other that makes it so enjoyable i mean you're right i think it is that i like the characters in this show that's probably just what it is um i uh, yeah actually so so let's talk about the acting obviously um uh, like yeah like it's it's so fun benedict cumberbatch obviously these days like i think he kind of got famous with sherlock yes um, which and was- obviously around Sherlock season one came out around the time season two of this was came out I think so okay so this uh, show really tracks his career kicking off <laughs> in a big way um yeah yeah but you know he um so this was mostly sort of before he took off but since taking off uh, like I think two of the big things he's done are obviously Sherlock and Doctor Strange and I think in both of those he plays uh you know rather confident characters Mm. And it's it's it was very fun to see him in this playing the exact opposite. Like Martin, yes. the character he plays is um whatever the opposite of overconfident is. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's he he's not a loser, but he acts like he is, you know? <laughs> um yeah, I mean he's he's somewhat he's kind of the the nerd, I guess, of the like, you know, he he always has to follow the rules. He can't cope well under pressure. Like he he you know, he's he's someone who kind of crumbles in the face of any ad- adversity and has mm. no confidence in himself and obviously like that was such a stark contrast to some of the other bigger characters benedict has played that was quite fun to not see but to listen to yes um yeah it's interesting because these characters are all like it I, again i guess it's the acting and the writing these characters could all be so annoying like they're mm. all archetypes which I have actively f- hated in other shows, but the characters are all just very likable, and they all, regardless of how much they uh, seem to annoy each other, which is basically the premise of the show, <laughs> is that these four characters annoy each other all the time. Um, yeah. It's so clear that they actually have established quite a positive and healthy dynamic um, in in a lot of ways, not in all ways, I think. Yeah, well, I think really, like, that's 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 what a good sitcom does, is it creates a bunch of characters who kind of play off of each other in, in very conflict-inducing ways, um, but gives them some reason to stick together. And so, like, workplace sitcoms obviously work on the premise that these people have to work together. I think Cabin Pressure does the extra job of making it that the airline is so on the verge of bankruptcy all the time that they kind of have to like you know team up to keep it alive yeah Um, it does give it that like underdog uh vibe and there's a few episodes where they all somehow band together to pull off weird schemes that (laughs) manage to keep them in business exactly and i mean i I think you said that in other in other good sitcoms you have things like community where they're all stuck in the college together um always sunny i guess they're stuck together by unhealthy relationships um yeah which is why that shows kind of you know the sitcom squared um but like I agree, I think this show uses a lot of. It, definitely at the start, the characters all sort of fit into tropes. I guess yes. is, is the word I'd use, and it, it's um they they start to become more three dimensional as we spend more time with them, and I think that's why there were some jokes in the first season where they didn't quite work for me because it was like, oh, of course, well you know Arthur is the bumbling idiot, yeah, of course he yeah. does this, like okay, 
And I, I found less and less of those in season two. I don't know if it's because the writing got better or if because I just got more invested in Arthur. Um, but like e- either way, I think you're right. The the like one sentence summary of each of these characters fits very neatly into stereotypes we've seen in a lot of other shows, and yet they're done very solidly here. So like it barely ever ever bothered. Yeah, you're you're right, I, and I don't think it is because the the writing got better. I think it just is characters like this they need to grow on you a bit like Mm. otherwise you do just find douglas's you know incessant sarcasm draining and (laughs) and arthur's stupidity tiring right but Mm. that you just you just kind of start to get them and and you start to get the sense of uh, of their three-dimensionality i guess um yeah maybe less so with arthur who sometimes does feel a bit two-dimensional but does have his moments and but more so even with Douglas and the others, Douglas is a character who is so sarcastic, almost to the point of cruelty, but not quite there. <laughs> um, I don't know. He's pretty cruel a lot of the time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, but but in that way of like, and maybe this is a bit of an Australian thing as well. In that way of like, he does it because he he he's just terrible at showing affection, and the only yeah. thing he can do to interact with another man is um is endlessly wheedle at them yeah i think i think like framing a lot of what he does is just taking the piss yes um in in what he perceives to be a kind of friendly way um would be fair i mean he also obviously thinks he's far and away the best person on the plane um (laughs) but but he kind of is (laughs) yeah i I mean that's that's the great thing about his character is that he's he's correct he um so for those who haven't listened to the show which you should go and do um he was an actual airline pilot for like 30 years or something right like a long time yes uh and then he got fired for reasons that haven't been explained where i'm up to at least um and yeah uh and is now the co-pilot for this shitty airline and obviously he's not very happy about that yes especially because the pilot that he is a co-pilot to martin is incredibly green um and also (laughs) has kind of neuroses that mean that sometimes he just isn't a good pilot yeah i I think I loved the way Caroline, who's the owner of the airline, um, sums them up in, I forget exactly what episode it was. It's the one where they go to like the, f- the training school to get the yes, airline certified. Yes, I just listened to this one. It's, um, I have a good pilot and a safe pilot, and the yeah. safe pilot makes sure the good pilot doesn't do anything too crazy. <laughs> yeah. Because um, like, you'd already picked up by that point in the show that that was their dynamic, and I just love how concisely it was expressed in the story in that episode. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, they really do balance out each other quite well in the sense that Douglas really does just have a lot of really good but crazy ideas mm. and Martin is enough to is kind of smart and knows uh, the technicals enough to say no that idea is too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well it's sort of like the safe pilot keeps the good pilot in check and the good pilot will save the safe pilot if something goes wrong. Is sort of how she summarizes it. Yeah. It's just that is just their dynamic to a T. I loved I love that like almost throwaway line towards the end of the episode that I was just like, God, that is spot on. Yeah. Write that one down for the show later. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let's talk, let's talk about Arthur and Caroline, shall we? Um, yeah. So Caroline is the owner of MJN Air, this single airplane charter service. Um, oh, no. I love that. MJN stands for my jet now because she got the jet <laughs> from her ex-husband who was yeah. apparently very wealthy. Yes. Um, and Arthur is her son who, uh, 
is there. He he's he acts as the steward, uh, but he he doesn't really need to. He's he's just <laughs> there because you get the sense that Carla doesn't really know what else to do with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. And he just loves it. I mean, that like I think the reason you get on board with Arthur's constant stupidity is because of the positive spin on it. Like he's he's, he's kind so of charmingly eager. yeah yeah he's charmingly eager in his stupidity, and that's just kind of endearing um and, and why he he grows on you i think despite being the only character where i'm up to who hasn't really evolved as much depth as any of the others yes uh, and i kind of feel the same way i he hasn't got that much depth but it's kind of like and maybe there is more depth to him maybe not um you kind of get hints at it i think uh there are times when he he never is smart uh because he's consistently you know who he is but there are times where he kind of has these moments of um of uh like there's this moment that seems kind of innocuous now but a moment where he he they have a week on standby there are no flights and he asks to borrow the keys to carolyn's car because he just wants to go for a nice drive and it's Mm. just such a like a human motivation of like yeah i've got some time i just want to do something that will be nice and relaxing and it's not a smart, like, you know, it's not an intellectual thing to do, but it's just to kind of fleshes him out a little bit more. Um, yeah, I also think he has those sorts of um, Carl Pil- Pilkington moments where he, he um, you know, says sort of, he, he'll make a comment that's so benign or, or obvious or something, but it, it's something that nobody else had really focused on or pointed out, like, you know, so that's sort of yeah. an Id- idiot genius thing he kind of has going sometimes. Yes. Yes, um, and maybe there's one other one that I should call out, which is uh, early in season two, I think, um, where Arthur and uh, Martin are paired up together, which is not a pairing that you see that much. Uh, mm. And their plot is they're going off to get an engineer to fix something back on the airplane. And uh, Martin keeps doubting. That, yeah, they run into trouble along the way, of course. And Martin is like, oh, well, we better turn back. We can't fix this. You know, without Douglas, we can't solve any problems. And Arthur is just kind of endlessly encouraging of him. And helps yeah. him like realize, no, you are a smart person. You can actually come up with your own solutions, which happens. And it's this great moment of like, yeah, man, Arthur's just like, he's stupid, but he's just so <laughs> friendly that you just can't help but love him. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, like that, that episode also, I think, like has this interesting reveal of, you know, how, you know, Martin can do a lot better when he doesn't have Doug kind of always bringing him down. I mean, mm. that's, I, I find Martin a very painful character to watch session two just because uh i don't know i i hate those those characters or i don't hate them but like i find it very difficult to watch those characters who are getting in their own way yes like he is self-destructive so isn't he and um and it's just like I, I mean you know like just that that's the trope and that means they're doing it well when i'm like oh god no martin um but like you know i i, I'm, I was just sometimes like oh i can't do this like it, it hurts so much to watch him do this yeah um which you know, I means it's working. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess I don't know we kind of skipped over Carolyn. So to, yes. to quickly do her, she um she starts off as kind of the cheapskate, you know, bossy. Starts uh, off. What do you mean? Well, <laughs> I mean, sorry, starts off just as the cheapskate. Like, ah, yes, you know, there we go. Sort of like bossy. Um, I don't know, tight ass boss who is just trying to like constantly make their lives miserable, and then sort of the more we learn about her and what else is going on the more sympathetic you go to how she is but then also she is still kind of an ass so yes. you know kind of like douglas in a way yes but the thing i like the thing that changes the spin on it is it's it becomes very clear quite early on in season one i think or midway through it that she's not doing this because she's like greedy or wants to save a lot of money it's because genuinely 
they're all kind of not very good at their job and she she likes this little collection that she's built of people that she can work with and wants it to <laughs> if not succeed at least still exist and the only way for yeah. that to happen is to be penny pinching because they're just not <laughs> they don't earn much money no they're constantly on the verge of bankruptcy yes uh, and uh, yeah exactly so like it's kind of like her her you know all of her annoying facets come from a good place basically and that's that's why you start to credit and obviously i think she plays off arthur quite well um like you know there's there's a lot of good lines with her just kind of ribbing on him uh for being an idiot yes Uh, yeah like i I know i I liked their dynamic of the acerbic mum and the 29 year old son who still lives at home that she can't get rid of basically yeah 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 they it it is they just all play off each other so well. I think Doug Douglas also plays off of Carolyn really well. They're kind of like partners in crime, but also rivals in a very interesting way. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I it's a really strong core cast. It's a really like and it's 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 a great setup for a lot of hilarity. I think it's the the mm-hmm. writer whose name is John Finnamore, who also plays Arthur, um yeah. really did do a great job setting up a really strong premise you can tell just has legs because of the, mm. the endless amount of stories that they could do with these four characters and still get a lot of humor out of it yeah but of course because it's british they set themselves up with this silly uh alphabet challenge sort of right from the get-go that yeah. finishes after 27 episodes which is just like i'm so glad that they went because from from a quick read like z- the z episodes were sort of an after tour thing and i'm very glad they got to finish it off but um Mm. it's just such a british idea to me that they set out with this goal of like well we can't do more than 26 episodes and uh you know like it just you know rather than running it into the ground um but i think we should talk about the the radio-ness of it because obviously you know we've we've said this a few times like this was a completely new experience for me Mm -hmm. listening to scripted radio um and i don't know there were some bits where i was kind of like okay like i can see how this was network radio um like mm. with the studio audience i found <laughs> yeah, that, that was very a surprise <laughs> there's a studio audience here that's like laughing and cheering along and I, it was very strange <laughs> i, I mean they're clearly very, out, like, they're, i'm imagining they're clearly edited yeah in. yeah like, I, I don't know yeah. that's the whole thing for me is like they've gone out of their way to edit this in and obviously something like that affects the pacing of everything and and like i i wonder what the exact decision was there i think maybe it was to slow things down basically mm. uh but it's I, I do tend to associate studio audience laughter in a sitcom with the sitcom not being as good. So, like, I found that a little grating at first. I think that's just, I think that's a very American uh, instinct because there are shows, like, the IT crowd has a laugh track. Like, I mm. feel like a lot of British shows just did that back in the day and it was just, like, the thing that you did. It's, I don't yeah. know. I, I agree with you, though. I, I still have that instinctive reaction of, like, you don't need to tell me when to laugh, man. Yeah. I mean, like, something. Something that, like, part of the reason it works, and, you know, maybe I'm just a bit of an idiot, but with a lot of these very, sh- like, sharp, uh, you know, sarcastic, humory things or or wordplay ones, it can take you a second to, to yeah, figure true. out exactly what happened. The laugh track, you know, gives me a bit of time to catch up. Um, so it depends on the show. Like, I think, I again, I think I've already brought this up, this up, but, like, you know, you've got something like Community, where I think it wasn't until, like, the second time I was watching some episodes that jokes would land on me because, like, it was like the second time I was watching it that I actually had time to process some of the yeah, jokes. Yeah. Um, and obviously I think having a studio audience uh makes that less necessary because everything basically pauses for a few seconds for you to 
catch up and and laugh along with it. Yeah, it does work quite well. You're right. Maybe that's maybe that is the reason. I mean, yeah, but it it did take me a few episodes to get used to it. Um, mm. And especially because I I think it's just grading when there is a joke that you don't think is that funny, which happened to me a bit in season one, and then the whole show stops for a few seconds for an imaginary audience to laugh. It's a bit like oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just being silly. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, like so specifically to go into the radio stuff, like we've already talked about some of this, but like I think the airplane setup is good for avoiding having to take a lot of awkward shots. Like it would be hard to do, hard to do a lot of shots on a plane, um, particularly in the mm. cockpit. Like cockpits are, would be a nightmare for filming, I reckon. Mm. Um, and like I think the show takes a lot of advantage of the fact that it's on radio to do. I don't know what I don't know if there's a technical term for it, but like kind of visual gags that make you imagine what the visual gag is. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a common thing of like a book being ad- adapted to a movie or a TV show. Right? Is you you get these moments where things just don't look like th- they things don't look as good as you can imagine them. <laughs> um, and and so doing a radio uh, a radio comedy like this lets you let the audience imagine the horrifyingness of whatever thing that that uh is being described right and and the, mm. there's an example from the first episode uh where and actually this happens a few times where Arthur cooks some food for the ca- for the pilots um and it's always described as being horrifying and in the first episode in particular uh, it's described as uh, Arthur's a uh, recipe Arthur calls his orange platter just a bunch of orange <laughs> stuff and it's <laughs> described so that you get to imagine the horrifying sickly orange of the plate of food being served to you and of course it would never the joke just wouldn't work as well if it was mm. you could see the orange because it wouldn't look that bad like obviously but it just works so well on radio yeah or it would have to be so well sort of set up like yes. you know, it would be a prop that would have to have a lot of time put into it um yeah i agree there's one that i've just realized is from the season three episode one, so I can't really talk about it, but there's a great one with a lemon um, in, a, <laughs> sure. in, a, in, a, right. in a similar thing. But uh, Why not? Yeah, like the, um, I, I, I agree. It's the way they sort of give you enough information to prompt your imagination, but they don't like over explain it to you. You're just left to kind of make it horrifying in its own way uh, yeah. and, and trust in your ability to horrify yourself. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. I wonder, this is obviously the first radio comedy I've really gotten into. So I don't, I don't know, my expectations now are that all radio comedies are just really good like this. Maybe that's just not true. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a very good question. Um, I, I, I wonder what else is out there. Um, I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, I guess the final question to ask about this show is how does it compare to what I think we all would say is a, the, uh, the 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 obvious comparison to this show, or at least for series two of Cabin Pressure, um, Supernatural. What do you think, Elliot? Does it stack up? <laughs> I okay. I'm just going to explain this because <laughs> everyone's going to need context. As I when when Ruben went to Google for the Cabin Pressure picture to use for our um image, like for this episode, one of the first hits was a thingy that's just the Cabin Pressure icon next to the thing the show supernatural with the word versus between them 
Yeah, it's very and inexplicable. Wait, I don't know what who is who, putting these two shows who against was each other. Who cabin pressure, the supernatural? They share almost zero. Or is facets. it like a fight? Like who would win between the four characters from Cabin Pressure and Sam and Dean? Oh, it def- it'd definitely be Cabin Pressure. They do um, have an airplane. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Anyway, that was very weird. Um, so that, that's just a little behind the scenes <laughs> insight for everyone, I guess. Yeah, we'll post this image on the Twitter. I'm going to tweet it right now. Okay. Um, yeah, so, okay, when you saw this tweet a few days ago and you're wondering what the fuck Ruben was on about, and now <laughs> you know now that you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's pretty much cabin pressure, so I'm just going to keep stalling for time with this sentence while Ruben tweets that. And, it's uh, going to take ages. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll cut this bit, but I will tweet it. Um, yeah, okay. Well, so, um, unless there's anything else to say, should we just dive into giving it a number? Yeah, I think so. I I don't know if I have, like, we've kind of talked about it. It's the kind of thing where, realistically, I just wouldn't have ever found out about it. And if someone had described it to me and not actively forced me to listen to it, I probably wouldn't have. (laughs) And so, knowing that, even knowing that, I'm going to say, people, go and listen to this. It's pretty good. You'll like it. Yeah, I completely agree. Like this is this is a great this is sort of what Media MD was for and uh you know, it's happening to both of us at once, which which uh rarely happens, but this is something neither of us had heard of, probably would never found on our own, and uh it ended up being really good and I'm really glad that I listened to a bit of it. So Yeah. Um go check it out. We we sort of talked about where it's available. Um last episode there's there's audiobooks and, and all sorts of places you can get it, so go check it out. Um and so, Ruben, if you were to give a number out of 10 to how you felt about this show. Mm. I think it's an eight. It's an eight. I, I re- really I really did laugh out loud a few times per episode at least, which is pretty good. Man, I shouldn't have let you go first because I was going to say eight and now I feel like I'm just copying you. And like, <laughs> copycat. If I, feel like, copycat. if I feel like that, then everyone else must feel like I'm yeah, doing that. I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, okay, eights all round. Uh, yeah individually we all set eights mm-hmm. without um, collaboration we wrote it down <laughs> beforehand so you can be sure <laughs> yeah i tweeted it out before um <laughs> yeah okay well so that's uh that's cabin pressure yeah. and i guess now it's time to dive into what we'll be doing for the next two weeks yes uh so what is it well uh, as is tradition uh i am bringing the christmas uh recommendation for the year i don't have like uh, a bell to jingle I don't think I've deserved a bell so far. Um, for- Does that sound like a bell? It <laughs> sounds like a coin on glass. That's ah, close enough. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so fourth time's the charm. Christmas recommendations. Yeah, I'm so ready. Uh, hopefully. Uh, I am bringing the Christmas movie The Night Before. Mm, the Night Before what, though? Am I right? It's Christmas. Ah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so this is a movie, it's about three friends played by Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Anthony Mackie. Oh, cool. And, and the, the presence of Seth Rogen kind of tells you what sort of movie this yes. is. Um, <laughs> it's one of them kinds of movies. Yeah, it's it's, it's a stoner comedy. Uh, I, I think it's a very solid stoner comedy. Um, I, I, you know, it's it's Christmas themed, so... Uh, like, I, I enjoyed I actually watched it with my family last year for Christmas, that's why I've sort of had this one penciled down for so long because uh, mm. my family just impromptu decided to watch it last year and we actually all had a ball. When um, did this movie come out? Is it like a recent movie? 
Uh, it's from 2015, so, you know, okay. f- fairly recent. So why did you... <laughs> hold on, hold on. There's more explanation needed here. You and your family were together for Christmas, of course, and you were like, hey, what should we do? Should we open presents? Yep. Should we drink some eggnog? Wait, wait, wait. I heard about this movie two years ago, the Seth Rogen Stoner comedy. Why don't we watch that? No, it was it was like... It, it, it could have been like a couple of days before or after Christmas. I don't know. Um, it was just everyone was there for almost a week. Mm-hmm. And um, my sister is want to just put on Netflix, pick a random movie and go for it. And I think Netflix recommended this one to us. All right. Um, that was pretty much, I mean, that's how, that's how a lot of movies get discovered in the deep old household these days. Is, um, my, <laughs> it's my through sister, the algorithm. <laughs> my sister just putting on something from Netflix. It's a very hit and miss system. Not gonna <laughs> I lie. can imagine. Um, in, in this case, I think, I think it was a bit of a hit. Like uh, I'd actually seen the movie um, before, I think when it came out. Uh, mm. But I, I enjoyed it just as much the second time. I think it's a really solid, solid Christmas movie, solid stoner comedy. Um, great cast, obviously. Um, you know, there's a few surprise appearances that I don't want to don't want to spoil for you. So don't go and look up the cast list before you dive in. Um, okay. Just just sort of enjoy them when they show up. Is um, it Benedict Cumberbatch? No, unfortunately not. Um, unless I'm forgetting something. Uh, but but yeah, like I don't know, I think it's a I think it's a nice Christmas story. I mean, obviously those of you who are doof patrons and, and follow our bonus content will know we've been thinking a lot about Christmas stories recently. Um I think this is a good Christmas story. Uh I think it's funny and I I think it'll be a, a bit of a hit. Yeah. All right, cool. Well I guess we'll be back on Christmas to talk um, about it more. I think we're actually back on Boxing Day, but no but same, same nobody diff. knows what that is if you're not from Australia. So we can just call it Christmas What's the one that comes after Eve? Anti-Eve. Yeah. Christmas bad Eve, we call it. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, well, I'll check it out and we'll be back on Christmas bad Eve to talk about it more. I can't wait. Um, and if you can't wait either, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Medium Day Podcast. It's, honestly, I'm not going to lie to you, that, that Twitter feed is mostly deep in pack stuff these days, but there's Medium Day stuff there too, so uh, you should yeah, check it out. Yeah, um, I've... I've tweeted that awesome Gavin Pressure Series <laughs> 2 versus Supernatural meme, all right? Yeah. It's the hot new meme. Um, yeah, if you if you like uh, seeing random unexplained memes that don't make sense until you get the context <laughs> three to four days later, uh, that Twitter feed is the place for you. Um, yes, uh, you can also leave us a review on iTunes, or uh, as we mentioned, you know, uh, thanks to Tim the Enchanter, our patron slash listener for... Uh, recommending this topic and if you have something you want us to read watch listen uh, head on over to our website you can leave a voicemail or you can email us Mm -hmm. and let us know what you think might be good Uh, this is something new we're trying i guess uh, which is you know patron slash listener supported uh, recommendations yeah again that website is mediamdpodcast.com if you're interested to find out more about the other great shows that are on the doof media network the place to go is doofmedia.com uh, or to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. If you don't even want to find out, you just want to throw money at them. Um, mm. There's a lot of great shows on the Doof Media Network, and they only exist because of our lovely patrons. Great shows like... Well, Do the Right Thing is one. Uh, that it's is a one. creative writing podcast, so everyone gets together and creative writes on the same prompt, and uh, then we'll talk about the stories. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, they're actually doing a contest now, so speaking of the patrons... Uh, Thanks to the support of our patrons, uh, Do The Right Things offering a cash prize for uh, people who uh, go back on stories that they've written over the last few months for Do The Right Thing and edit them, and, and then the patrons will get to vote on which story they think is the best, which um, I think is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait yes. to see what 
uh, you know, cleaned up submissions get submitted. Yes. Um, other great shows on the Dopamine Network include Deep Impact, of course, uh, but also What You Say, uh, We've mm-hmm. Got Ward, uh, The Doofcast. Actually, The Doofcast, we were just on an episode of The Doofcast, I think. <laughs> uh, we are on The Doofcast tomorrow, Yes, actually. Uh, so we, we're recording both this and the other one, like a bit out of sync with when we normally record them. So we're a bit of a mess in terms of predicting that stuff, but I think this episode comes out the day before us being on the Legend of Korra Doofcast episode. Oh, I'm so... That was such a fun recording. I'm so excited uh, <laughs> to talk more about Legend of Korra. So definitely yeah. check that out tomorrow. Uh, yes, yes. I, um, God, I hope so, because we've said it like four times now. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the place to check all those shows out is doofmedia.com. You can also find links to all the other things we talked about, as well as all of the clues for the Media MD ARG. You can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD and why are his pilots so underpaid. Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Barcode barcode and we'll see you next fortnight